0: This is the Employee Experience in Education podcast, the teacher retention podcast for school leaders, and I'm your host, Eric Brainstetter. In this podcast, we'll speak with educational leaders, former educators, and industry experts to better understand the employee experience in education. Our goal is to equip school leaders with realistic and actionable strategies to keep more teachers in the classroom. On this episode, we'll speak with Naka McGee, Chief Academic Officer at San Benito CISD, about AI in education and personalized professional development. Neka shares her insights on the challenges and opportunities of implementing AI, tailoring professional development to teachers' needs, and the impact of AI on the overall teacher experience. Hey Neka, thanks so much for joining us today. You know, I'm really excited to hear about your research into AI and PD, but before we get to that, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and who should be paying attention today?
1: Hello, Eric. Um, Thank you for having me. This is such an exciting time to, you know, in terms of AI and to discuss that as it relates to PD. A little bit about myself is uh, currently serving as chief academic officer with San Benito CISD, which is near Brownsville in the tip of Texas. Um, I've been excited to serve this community for about a year and a half. I um, hail from Ohio, so and I mm-hmm. went to school in Louisiana. So I've kind of <laughs> been in a in a couple of different states. Um, I did recently complete my dissertation on um, AI as it relates not only to um, teacher implementation but also to the implementation of professional developments in K. 12 school districts in the United States. And in terms of an audience, um, anyone ranging from administration, particularly district administration, where I serve, um, to uh, campus administration, also campus leaders who are um, faced with planning, implementing, or investing in professional development for other educators.
0: Sure, that's great. Appreciate that. So I want to first start sure. by not talking or focusing on AI whatsoever. Just to get to know you a little bit better, I think having that foundation of your thoughts on PD will translate over to the actual AI part of the conversation. So when thinking about your mm-hmm. current role as Chief Academic Officer, and then I know you've served previous roles as well, such as Executive Director of Learning and Innovation. Uh, you've been a curriculum writer, a director of Gifted and Talented and a teacher. What, what is your general approach when it comes to PD and helping others build capacity?
1: So, one of the greatest lessons that I've learned in my leadership journey is to gauge where the intended audience is and what they need. And generally, I'll do that with uh, surveys. So, for example, in the district I serve in now, uh, before the PD even begins, it's like, okay, what do our teachers and our other educators need? So just to give you an example, we put out a survey last year and we discovered that there was a gap for our um, paraprofessionals and it was like, wow, mm. they, they need professional development and we're not providing the professional development they feel they need. Well, that translated into this year, having an entire paraprofessional conference for um, our paraprofessionals and mm. they were excited. They felt valued They felt like their voices mattered. And I think that approach has really helped as I've, you know, continued in this journey and it's something that I want to continue.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. And what have you found to be effective in terms of PD? I know there's various different people that can present the PD. There's kind of a top down approach where maybe it's a a district level leader, for example, or maybe a school leader. Um, Sometimes it's a bottom up approach, We identify individual educators or teachers that are an expert in an area, and then they share their learnings in PD with the staff. You know, sometimes there's independent study, there's group study. Just kind of in general, where do you lean towards in terms of PD and how it gets offered?
1: So I will tell you, and there is a a study out there, and I've been looking for it ever since the first time that I saw it. I shared it with the team, and it actually indicated that district leaders are the least, when it comes to teachers, they don't want to hear from us, that you know who they prefer to hear from? Their (laughs) colleagues, the individuals who are serving alongside them in the classroom. And so I've been very in, intentional and our team has been very intentional about tapping into our teacher excellence and then in, in allowing them to, or empowering them to um, provide professional development to teachers. Obviously, there are components that are necessary in terms of having a uh, vendor, or a service provider come and provide professional development, for example, our bus drivers. (laughs) It's going to be kind of limited in terms of, you know, how to provide effective professional development. And then you tap into, in our case in Texas, and I know other states as well, have educational service centers that are regional that provide those services. But ultimately, and, and this is what I advocate for, the best professional development that is optimal for each individual will be the professional development that they make of their own choosing. Meaning if I am someone Mm. that needs small groups and thrives in those smaller communities, I need to have the opportunity to seek those out. If I am someone who learns by reading, and, and I just absorb that and that helps me build capacity, then I need avenues to, to meet those goals. And so I, I would love an approach or, you know, an advocate for approach where just as we advocate for personalized learning and individualized learning for our um, for our teacher, for our teachers and students that we advocate for other education as well.
0: So Nika, that's interesting, the idea of personalized learning. And I know as an administrator myself, one of the things that we did as a staff was we all worked on something similar, something common. We had a book study, for example, um, and I remember very vividly the idea of learning objectives, learning targets. And what was great about that is we all spoke the same language. We all had common expectations. In fact, we created common expectations among all the staff members. How, in your opinion, when you think about personalized learning and the different avenues that can go down, the different pathways, how important is it for you to think about what that north star is that's guiding everything in consistency versus the idea of having individual choice in terms of medium and in terms of resources, in terms of direction of study?
1: So I think I think you can do both. So so let's say for the for example our North star in terms of leadership. And I'm dealing with the district example, but let's say it's team building. And so the North star is for each department that you're going to be able to build your team in a capacity that may be gauged by uh, a survey in terms of their, how they feel mm-hmm. effectiveness or feel valued. If that's the North star And each individual can then choose and say, well, you know what? I'm a book person. And when I come back to the group, I'm going to talk about, you know, this book on leadership that I found that was great. I'm a person that likes to go out to conferences. I'm going to go out to a conference. I'm going to bring back the best of the sessions. And then that's going to help the group. So there are different ways. So you can have a goal and say, this is the main goal. But you can also allow, you know, some autonomy and some agency to the types of ways that individuals learn. And I think that's similar. Like if you hear UDL and, and, um, frameworks of that nature, that, that will help, um, optimize professional development, how people learn their buy-in and then their satisfaction and value, particularly when it comes to new initiatives.
0: Yeah, so What I'm hearing you say yeah, then is, so the you say is the power of collaboration. The power of collaborative learning. That, that collaborative coming back together. Coming back And it's not independent it's study, not where, independent you study own, where you go, go eight off eight on your months, own for eight months and then we come, come back, back and I measure, measure success. success. But it's an ongoing but it's dialogue. An ongoing that dialogue.
1: That right? Yes, definitely.
0: So, in terms of experts, then, and you had mentioned a couple of questions ago. Where do you think the role of maybe an outside expert or an inside expert comes in? You know, with all the resources at our disposal, do you think we need to seek out and consult these experts or can we manage our own learnings internally?
1: We have to know enough about our systems, right, to have an understanding of when an expert is needed and when you can use internal sources to address the concern at hand. So uh, cycling back to if you are looking to improve math scores, you've looked across your system and there's not enough to solve that problem, then, okay, what are the experts? Who's the expert that we can bring in in order to help address that issue? If it's um, something like, let me say, formative assessment, and we know that formative assessment is going on, we may look at our data and say, This teacher is amazing at formative assessment. Let's see if this teacher can come and present a professional development or professional learning to fellow educators to help them improve. So I think it's a gauge on what is understanding what your system has and then making a determination if we need to go outside and seek expert or if we have internal experts that can solve the same problem or concern.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. If you you know start thinking about AI and AI implementation and how there aren't necessarily a lot of external experts yet, like there are a lot of people that have been dabbling in this and are getting a better understanding, but there's not years and years of research like we have, you know, in math proficiency and reading proficiency and so on. It's interesting, Nika. I'm not in the building anymore, so I don't have those day-to-day conversations quite like you have. I'm curious, from your perspective, what. What are the conversations you're hearing right now and you're part of with regard to AI? What are some of the questions? What are some of the excitements? Just kind of provide that quick narrative on just in general, what are the AI conversations like right now?
1: So so the first part of the conversation is that it's, a, um, I would say, a misperception, if that's the word. Okay. Yes, that AI is something new in our classrooms. And it actually isn't. It's been around for 50 years. And in particular, even more recent, um, it's in um, products such as testing. It's in products such as um, intelligent tutoring software, translation services. And so even for myself, I've been really um, into artificial intelligence since 2018. And so... Um, but there's still this perception that is something new, that is something to be afraid of. And so a lot of when I'm doing professional learning sessions myself, and you say, what what's the first word you think about when you think about artificial intelligence? And you'll see fear. And so with that, I say, well, yeah. let's get familiar. So how many of you, you know, use your phone? How many of you use your phone today? How many of you use recommender systems? And so it's making that connection and that understanding that AI has been, here for some time and it is now becoming more to the forefront because of things such as generative AI. So the fear is the first thing. The second thing that I'm hearing a lot of is our plates are full. We have too Mm. much to do. This is something new and we don't have time to build our capacity enough where we feel comfortable providing instruction to our students in a way that we've that teachers feel that it will help them improve um, their students. That is, and so um, definitely the plates being full is another one. And just as you mentioned, quality PD. There's a lot of lot of noise out there. Um, a lot of people like you have to try this product and this product and this product. And so there are tons and tons of products mm-hmm. out there. It's actually overwhelming for our teachers. And other educators, not just teachers, administrators as well um, across the spectrum of education. It's a lot out there um, because there is inadequate information on how to choose and um, really get a deeper understanding of what AI is and how it works. And um, that leads to a little bit of confusion. But finally, there is a little bit of hope as well because people are interested. They want our children to be prepared for the future. And so as they learn more and as they get that familiarity, they're really ready to share it and to share with each other.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, there are you mentioned two different kind of personas there. There's the teacher persona, the educator, and then there's the administrator persona. I'd love to dig into both of mm-hmm. those. Really simple question, probably not a really simple answer. But what are teachers looking for right now? So it's becoming more and more, as you said, pervasive, lots of tools. What are the things that teachers are actually looking to do with AI?
1: How does it how, how is it relevant to my classroom and my curriculum? So they're looking for tools that, mm-hmm. that meet those needs. Yes, there is the save time. So we we get the that part of it, right? So and there are a couple of really popular products out there that help people save time. Now, because there's this push for like, okay. AI literacy and using AI with your students, which is a totally different aspect. There's the save time part. And then there is now this applied AI in the classroom. And so if there's no product that speaks to how can I use this artificial intelligence with my students, particularly if I'm a subject area teacher, if I'm a teacher that uh, elementary school teacher, uh, yeah, many of those products, terms of services are for 13 years or up. And so I have to meet COPPA and FERPA. And because of that, these tools may not be uh, appropriate. However, I'm hearing use them, use them, use them. So that's what the teacher is looking for. Mm -hmm. How do I apply it and how do I make it relevant based on what I'm supposed to be teaching?
0: Before I get to the administrator, can you break down, so what what are the jobs that teachers are trying to get done in terms of saving time? Is it lesson planning? Is it grading? Is there a different bucket that I haven't labeled yet? Like what what are teachers seeking to do to actually save time?
1: So, base, yes, lesson planning is big. Also, grading is big. They just similar to how others and other sectors are using um, artificial uh, intelligence, particularly generative AI um, for communications. I'm stuck. I want to be able to communicate appropriately, whether it's a family member, um, whether it's a student, um, whether like one of the things I thought was interesting is uh, particularly for our secondary, using them for recommendations without keeping the <laughs> You know, it's personal information, private. But definitely that was one of the more, you know, surprising aspects of, because you do hear the grading, the lesson planning, some of those administrative um, tasks, but using it as that conversational partner, for lack of a better word, to to help improve communications is a, is a important aspect of the work I'm seeing that teachers use uh, generative AI for.
0: That makes total sense. Let's do... Too- to kind of start something happening. So you can, you know, with conversations with how do I respond to this? What's my response for that? Just sometimes getting started is difficult. And once you're able to articulate that, getting some assistance on here's some best practices, here's, you know, ways of phrasing this or ways to think about, that makes a lot of sense. Um, What about from the administrator perspective? Are there any jobs that administrators are trying to get done through the use of AI?
1: The same thing, it goes with communications. I have a crisis going on. What's the best way to, to respond? Mm-hmm. I need, there's a um, difficult situation that I'm having to address with, uh, with even a colleague or a teacher. What are some best ways for me to look at this um, that I haven't thought of before? And so I would say that the, that's the primary way that I've seen that administrators um, are, are using it Um in a real world aspect in terms of, uh, school systems, because obviously as an administrator, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing much grading. Um, right. <laughs> I'm not, Left you know, <laughs> looking to create assessments or things of that nature. However, uh, much of, of what we do is, is communicate. Um, and mm-hmm. we have to be able to communicate effectively depending on the audience.
0: Yep. Makes sense. So, Nikki, let's dig into your dissertation Mm -hmm. a little bit and make sure that I have the title right. It's Exploring the Lived Experiences of Teachers Implementing or Preparing to Implement Artificial Intelligence at K 12 Schools in the United States, a Qualitative Phenomenological Study. Is that right?
1: That's a lot. Yes, that's perfect. I know it's a lot.
0: (laughs) No, 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 it's great. I had to practice phenomenological a few times. I don't normally say say it
1: right. (laughs) <laughs> I still can't say it appropriately. I only I only said it right one time, and that was when I was defending my dissertation. <laughs> That's the time that matters the most.
0: <laughs> so, what what were you seeing, Neka, that made you choose lived experiences of AI as your topic of study?
1: Well, just I wanted to address the lived experiences because. Uh, The problem that I saw was that teachers, um, there was a lack of teachers implementing or planning to implement artificial intelligence in the classroom. That was the perceived, you know, issue Mm -hmm. and then the lack of professional development. And so given where we were, I also knew based on the number of years that I've been in the program, that there were people out there (laughs) actually doing these things. So what what were their experiences in implementing or preparing to implement artificial intelligence at their classrooms, and particularly in K-12 United States that could be used to help others, you know, in the future as we're moving forward? And this was before ChatGPT. Of course, once ChatGPT came out, (laughs) two weeks after I received IRB approval, it did change the, the nature of, you know, wow. not the total research, but the uh, perspective of teachers who were planning to implement artificial uh, intelligence in their classrooms. So whereas before you might see teachers who were more technology application teachers, computer science teachers who it was a natural kind of part of their work. Now you're having teachers who were more general education teachers, elementary teachers, uh, subject specific mm-hmm. teachers who are having to grapple with you implementing artificial intelligence. And so, yes, while many of them, of course, if you look at the spectrum of um, implementation of education, technology will be considered early adopters in some aspects. Um, it, I think it was really important to get an understanding of how they were experiencing the phenomena of uh, artificial intelligence and in education.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious, can you share just kind of some quick insights or some quick, you know, what what did you find most interesting? What was, what was surprising based on the findings of your research?
1: So I think um, one of the, of course, when you say, su- when I feel surprising to me when it came to um, the research was the fact that so many teachers relied on their fellow teachers for um, information Mm -hmm. about artificial intelligence, for, you know, how to make it work. And so they made the teacher down the hall, as they say. I think that was surprising because in the face of not having uh, the support in terms of professional development at the district and regional level. And so that was another kind of interesting aspect is that there weren't a lot of districts and and or um, local uh, regional service centers providing professional development related to artificial intelligence. And so teachers felt that was a barrier. And so there were geographic barriers. Also that there were financial barriers. And so they may see a conference that had information about artificial intelligence and wanted to learn more. However, they didn't have, you know, 600, 700, a thousand dollars to, um, you know, make that investment into attending these conferences. So when I look at it, like I said, the reliance on teachers, um, also the professional mm-hmm. development side, and it's, it's not a, a, a bad thing. It was like, wow, this is this is great. This is something that Um, Others who are planning professional development, as we talked about earlier, and when it comes to investing in experts or people coming outside of the district, do you invest in an expert or do you invest in that teacher who is now, you know, a a champion over here and one AI product and a, a master over here and they have all of the badges and they're excited and that's a, you know, kind of a hometown or home school within the school district. Mm-hmm. And, and what's going to be the greater impact on that investment?
0: Yeah. Have things changed since you were doing your research? And a chat GPT came out about 13, 14 months ago. Have you seen much of a, a transition into having more experts in the field, having more accessible resources for people? Or would you say it's pretty similar to what you saw when you started researching?
1: Oh, so there are definitely uh, infinitely more resources. (laughs) You know, whether, interestingly, even here's a difference. So, even up to last year, there were a lot of companies saying, okay, we have AI, but there was a study done, and only 15% of, of companies actually were using AI in the products. uh, that they were touting as artificial intelligence. <laughs> right now, what you're seeing are a lot of companies who are actually um, using um, companies such as uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT and some of these other large language models. So it's not like they built the infrastructure, the infrastructure around it. They're kind of piggybacking mm-hmm. off of those infrastructures. So is it a their own product or is it just an extension uh, of ChatGPT? It's not a right or wrong that that's just um, what you're seeing. And so there's definitely a difference, you know, in the products. Obviously, in the United States, one thing about my research, and that's why I focused on the United States, uh, other countries um, were far ahead when it came to the implementation of artificial intelligence and education in their classrooms, mm-hmm. whether it be through um, uh, a robots or robots or um, artificial intelligence systems that were doing tracking and other types of educational uh, activities. In, in addition, there was more usage in artificial, um, in higher education, in terms of chatbots, yeah. in terms of um, predictive. So that's a lot of the background, even that happens now. So that predictive analyses, what's going on with a student, can we ensure that the student is not um you know, potentially going to fail because of these factors and other nature. So um, that is, is why I chose the K-12 space. And obviously within that space, there is now a pro- proliferation. Um, the concerns that um, start to occur because of that is, like you said, there are um, people and, and corporations who are, are, tr- are selling products and so it is incumbent upon us, particularly as administrators, to ensure things such as terms of service, um, data sharing agreements, mm. and things of that nature are sound, because we do have to protect um, our students who matter most.
0: No, it makes total sense. So going back to the PD idea before and talking about personalization, how do you think AI can be used to support personalized learning, and what are the potential benefits? Are there any challenges with personalized learning that's connected with AI?
1: In terms of adults receiving professional development or in yes, terms of yes, students? Yes, yes, adults. Yep. Well, um, definitely I could see a system that um, can help or it, it has an understanding. I'm a certain type of teacher. I learn a certain type of way. And going back to what you said, here's the overall objective, the North Star provide mm-hmm. me with you know the types of resources that will enable me to reach this North Star goal. So I can see professional development assisting in in that way toward a personalized learning environment. That is a positive because again, as much as we can um, ensure student I mean ensure teachers also have voice and choice in how they learn, that's going to benefit mm-hmm. the system as a whole. The biggest uh, concern or issue is always access and opportunity and access being, and a lot of times the investment that districts can make into um, artificial intelligence resources. If the money is not there, you're not going to have the investment. You also have to think about board relations. If your board is is unaware, and and that's Mm -hmm. one of those missing pieces, right? Boards of trustees hold the purse strings and make the budgets. And if they're not knowledgeable about the benefits of AI benefiting teachers and administrators that can ultimately benefit students, they're not going to be as willing to open up the purse strings for investment. And so that's a, a, a concern as well. And then obviously, if there isn't enough capacity within a district to provide professional development. That's the further investment. Do we send people to to conferences? We may not necessarily be able to afford them as a district or to send a lot of people. Do we try to bring someone in? Is that person mm-hmm. um, the charge that they'll you know give or provide or say it's going to cost as much to um, bring me in as a consultant? Is that going to be cost prohibitive? And so those are some mm-hmm. of the factors that are concerned because If teachers don't have access and opportunity, students are not going to have access and opportunity.
0: Yeah, that, that idea of access and opportunity is really interesting to me because one of the core tenets of this show is talking about how can we keep more teachers in the classroom? Because there are so many opportunities outside of education. Do you see AI potentially impacting the overall employee experience, the teacher experience, And could you envision a world where teachers leave one district to go to another because there's maybe more AI adoption, there's more empowerment of using tools that will save time, that will save energy, that will save sometimes sanity for educators?
1: Well, I can, I mean, definitely, it's almost like the saying that's out there now, like AI won't take your job, but the human who knows how to use AI will. I don't know who said that, but it's perfectly uh, true. We see it now in education. The districts that are better resourced, that offer more, that have better culture and community are the, the districts that teachers want to invest their time and, in, in, you know, what they bring to the table or how they bring it to the table. And so, yes, it would be attractive once we are, as school systems, able to find the right approaches to artificial intelligence across the board that is sustainable it is going to be attractive for me as a teacher to know I can use these tools I, and also not only use them because the tools get tools are tools. Right. Once yep, we get past yep. the tool part, it's also going to be do I have opportunities to explore without the, you know, the chance that I'll be written up or, you know, chances that this will negatively impact my evaluations Um, will I be able to, uh, explore, uh, tools that will help me ultimately benefit students? So, like I said, subjects specific that are beyond just your AI literacy. If I'm a math teacher teaching sixth grade, that's what I taught when I taught math. How can I use the specific AI tool or tools to benefit my students in the classroom? If we, that's a bridge we haven't yet crossed. I know that not crossed enough, right? There are little smatterings of people talking about how to apply it specifically, but not in a sustainable way that is consistent um, that can help uh, really uh, implement it uh, wholesale into school districts.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so far we've talked a lot about kind of the the teacher perspective and what that looks like, what it could look like. I want to focus a little bit more on district and school leaders now Mm -hmm. Um, would love to hear your thoughts on challenges that school and district leaders are facing when they're considering you know, implementing AI in the classroom, integrating AI into their school, into their district. Um, how can some of these challenges be addressed? So first, what are some of those challenges? And then maybe what advice would you give these leaders?
1: Well, well, the first challenge is uh, knowledge and building capacity and what AI is and, and how to distinguish between the different forms of AI and to understand what AI has already been being used in the district mm. and that are being used kind of ancillary to the district. So, for example, testing right now. Testing, right, particularly in writing, it goes through AI before a human sees it. As a district or school leader, I want to know that. What is it looking for? Right. How is yeah. th- how is that impacting my students who will eventually have to test, regardless if you agree, agree with testing or not you need to have an understanding of how that system works because it impacts your students. And so there's the knowledge base that we need to increase. So I would definitely um, say that there needs to be there's the teacher type of professional development that you talk about. Mm-hmm. But there's also that administrator type. There's a different lens that we have to look through because the other part of it is now we have to look at the investment side of it. On a given day, I can't tell you how many <laughs> different companies are reaching out or sending emails about here's the latest and greatest AI product that will solve everything. It might even bake your bread for you, but here, you know, here it is. And as leaders go tying back to the knowledge, we have to be able to have the discernment to say, this is a product we could introduce to the district, or this is a product that we cannot introduce to the district which is going to lead into the next part, safety and security of data. Even in our district, we had a data breach, not related to AI, but let's be clear. If we don't have an understanding of who the third parties, (laughs) that's a big question when someone says, I'm like, who's the third party that you're sharing our data with? Because I've received a third party letter based on a data breach before. Do we really want our families to receive that type of letter and we haven't expressed to them or talked to them about how where their kids data is and how it is being used? Yeah. That is a recipe for future disaster. We need to get on top of that now. And so with that, we have to understand those systems, how they interact and what they'll interact with when systems are what they say, talking to each other, um, yeah. for, for lack of a better word. And um the final part is the uh, the money. You know, are we going to have the investment? Um, I don't know if you're aware you said you're out. Of, I don't know how long you've been out, out of the classroom or out of the district. But, you know, we had some good times with ESSER and being able to invest mm-hmm, in our mm-hmm. students <laughs> and yeah. invest in programs to help them. As we navigated, uh, COVID, but, but that money is, uh, going to be ending. That funding will be ending. And now how do we make those investments that we need to in innovative technology, such as artificial intelligence, in particular, generative AI for our students and for our teachers? So those are several things that I would say on the administrative side that, that are concerns. And finally, as I mentioned, I'm sorry, board relations. And so if, yeah. you know, as a campus leader, um, definitely looking at, Teacher capacity. Who on my campus knows about AI? Who is interested in knowing about AI? Because if we have some early adopters or people who are, you know, gung ho about learning the latest and greatest, I may need to tap into them if I'm providing campus specific um, professional development. Do Mm -hmm. I have the backing? Of my district leader. So if I go all out or want to uh, introduce artificial intelligence, is it going to be something that is supported by the district or is the district saying we're still blocking (laughs) because it is happening? And um, we're still uh, blocking specific types of artificial intelligence. And so it's not useful. So uh, useful to go down a pathway of, of implementation. And then at the district level, those things I mentioned, are we talking to our IT departments, ensuring that we have the data protocols, not not giving an inch to particularly newer companies when it comes to data sharing agreements in terms of service and memorandums of understanding, We can say no, (laughs) there's nothing (laughs) wrong with it. Uh, We will not lose out.
0: (laughs) You have to say no sometimes because there's so many tools, so many resources available now. We, We talked earlier about, you know, there's being so much on a teacher's plate and I can't help but imagine myself now sitting in the principal's chair and all of the things that were on my plate. And I just heard you say four things to think about from a district or a school admin side. There's the knowledge and having knowledge of the tools, knowledge of AI in general, Um, safety and security, knowing that we have some pretty big implications of data and what data sharing looks like, the financial part of this, and then board relations. How do I then, as a school district leader, knowing I have a plate that's already full, how do I devote time to this? Is this just kind of the new shiny thing? Is it something that's worth putting my time into? How do you think about knowing how busy school leaders are right now?
1: Mm -hmm. I say it's okay to breathe. There is, I don't believe in the fear of missing out because, again, artificial intelligence has been here. It's, it's been yeah. in our lives. Um, I use a model I call CRISP. <laughs> it talks about the 15 different ways that even as educators and as district leaders and as campus leaders and administrators, AI has been here. AI is not going anywhere. And so it's OK to breathe and say, you know what, I'm going to take time to understand how AI works in particular with the systems that are already in place. Think about that investment right now, for example, if there is a a school district out there using different types of assessment software, particularly if they're based on um, evaluating writing, chances are it's there's AI components there. It's okay to, to take that time or even to ask the IT departments or even the vendor, can you, you know, provide an overview of how AI is used into your system. It is so important to have that knowledge. And so we're not swayed by the shiny, right? By the people making Mm -hmm. the sale. And so, yes, it is worth the investment, but it is also worth taking the time to truly understand the components of AI as it relates to individual school districts and campuses because it will look different the the type of implementation implementation and the level of implementation that has already occurred mm-hmm. so yes the investment is worth it but does a particular ne- leader need to know everything about ai tomorrow i would say no <laughs>
0: Yeah, so like reinforcing, it's okay to breathe, knowing that you have lots of things going on. Uh, as you mentioned, AI is not going away. It's been here for a while. It's not going away. There's not a race. This isn't something that we have to feel like we have ready to implement tomorrow or next week. It's good sometimes to slow down. And again, think about that North Star. Think about you know what, what are the problems we're trying to solve with AI and being very intentional about selecting the tools that you end up adopting.
1: Definitely, because I wouldn't want to get it wrong because it is going to impact our students at a level we haven't thought of, because um, this is what we call we're in what they what is called the fourth industrial age. And it's the age that is driven by A.I. and automation. And you start to see the ripple effects in areas that are outside of education in terms of finance, in terms of law, in terms of medicine. And so our kids have to be prepared However, again, and, and we have to get it right. So if we, if data literacy goes wrong, right, we've seen what happens when, when we don't do it right. <laughs> Let me put it out there. Yes. <laughs> we, I mean, I don't know how many ed tech and how many initiatives that you've seen where because we didn't start on the front end putting in the parameters that helped guide individuals in the appropriate way the negative implications that we didn't see everybody loves it and it's great but but there were also people talking about when the internet came out and when social media came out the things that we needed to watch out for and it was like but no we love it and now we're starting to have to address those issues and and so sure we don't have to do that with AI we can take the time and say let's get this right because we we for our kids We have to get it right. We don't want them to navigate a future that is dominated by AI and artificial intelligence and automation. And we haven't done what's necessary, particularly when and I'm just going to throw it out there because of the things that are coming. But when AI and quantum computing and that power uh, starts like, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like mind's blown in terms of the computational power and the information and the speed at which information becomes available to our students, um, that's going to be a, an amazing <laughs> journey to, to uh, witness.
0: You know, even 16 months ago before Chat GPT, the world that we live in now looks so different because of the little mm-hmm. things like, oh, I need to figure out how to respond to this parent or, oh, I need something to, you know, do the lesson planning for me. Little shifts make, can make such a huge impact. And that's exactly where we're at right now. There's so many little shifts that are making a huge impact. Nika, I've got one more kind of quick question before we do a wrap up of the conversation today. Okay. I want to talk about day 29. So I know that you're on the steering committee of a professional learning event that's focused on AI and education called day 29. What is this event and who should consider attending?
1: Yes. So day 29, I am excited about being on the steering committee and it's specifically to cross that bridge of the kind of, okay, you know what AI is or you've heard about AI. Now, how specifically can you use it in different aspects of your educational lives? And so we, because we keep hearing about it and we, we have a lot of converse a lot of important conversations that, we need to continue having. But what we're starting to see more is a we're planning for 24, 25, And literally, um, how do I use this? <laughs> you yeah. know, please help. <laughs> please help me understand how I can apply this in my classroom, in my administrative office. And because there's a lot going on and so many people want to provide that information, we thought if we can provide a space to um, Give that information to particular individuals. It'll be helpful. So administrators, um, professional la- professional um, development directors, um, also instructional coaches, or those who uh, do instructional design for um, school districts, as well. Of course, teachers are always <laughs> you know welcome mm. directors. But it literally is to ensure that we're crossing that bridge between. Uh, you know, uh, acknowledgement that it exists and application um, in the real world of classroom learning environments or learning environments in administrative offices. And it's going to be 24 hours of programming. So we're going from 12 o'clock on, on uh, Eastern time on February 29th, all the way until 11 to 59. So Man. it's ambitious, but <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I'm excited. That's
0: fantastic. I'll put in the show notes where people can register for the event. How can people learn more about Day 29 if they want to? Mm-hmm.
1: So it's day29.ai and it'll provide background. It'll give uh, information about our speakers and also have registration. So we'll be opening up registration starting tomorrow, or I don't know when this will air, but starting um, uh, January 30th.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So again, day29.ai.
1: Yes, on February 29th. And that's where it came from, like leap year, like a day so special, it only happens once every four years. And then we're like, And then we do not want to call it leap or leap year. And it was like, but it's just day 29. And then it just, (laughs) that's really like, that's catchy for some random reason. Maybe because of simplicity.
0: (laughs) Right. You might as well include 24 hours of programming at the same time. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) I don't know who's getting a late night, but it won't be me.
0: Yeah, not it for that one, right? <laughs> yeah, Nika, I want to finish up the conversation. I have a couple of questions I ask all of my guests. Okay. If you could go back and give yourself advice before you began your career in education, what would that advice be?
1: Oh wow! So um, you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> that it's okay, sure. you know, to make mistakes, and that mistakes are learning. I still, um, you know, am someone that is growing and learning that, you know, it, it's okay to not be perfect. And if I could impart that information to myself, that would be um, something I would tell myself on a daily basis.
0: Oh, that's great, I love that. What is one action or strategy you hope each school leader takes from this conversation today and helps to create a positive employee experience for their own people?
1: So give, them, give, give choice. Just to say it's nothing. You could say tomorrow, um, hey, we're looking to introduce artificial intelligence into our classrooms. Bring me your ideas. And we're we're listening. And we're going to ensure that in some way to affirm what you're bringing to the Mm -hmm. table, even if it doesn't look the way that you presented it.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. What's one celebration you've recently experienced? And I think I know what you're going to say.
1: (laughs) Now I wish I had something else, but no, after, (laughs) after, after five years, definitely to, um, to defend my dissertation, I I gave up several times (laughs) mentally and physically. So, um, it was great and it's been, um, just I, I've been humbled and honored every day to to be in a space where I'm able to advocate for artificial intelligence in the right way, because, you know, I've seen the pre-Chat GPT, I've seen the <laughs> after effects of Chat GPT. So I'm happy to bring a perspective as a cautious advocate.
0: And how can people get a hold of you if they want to?
1: so um i'm most active and i know it sounds weird to say i'm not a big social media person but linkedin is my friend i tend to um uh, spend time there and so definitely um, linkedin is is a great place to reach out
0: and i'll include your link to your linkedin profile in the show notes as well so nika i really appreciate the conversation today love all that you're doing for ai and making sure that people are thinking about it thoughtfully implementing it with fidelity, and making sure that they're taking care of not just their students, but the adults in the building as well. So thanks for all that. Thank you. This has been the Employee Experience in Education podcast. Be sure to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform, and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks, and have a wonderful day.